boats drift, and it's really not their fault, they can't help it. They're sitting on water. That's what they do. If you have a boat, it's going to drift. Now, that might not be disastrous, but it is a reality. Boats drift, whether it's large cruise ships or little rowboats. On the water, they will bob and weave, and they will move. If you've ever seen a boat anchored, you realize they're just spinning on the anchor as they drift around. Now, the only reason that's the only time that's a problem is if they cease going in the direction they were supposed to, if they drift off course. But drift is just something that somebody who has a boat or a yacht must deal with. They just have to figure that into their calculations, and if they do, they'll be just fine. The human heart also drifts. Now, that's not necessarily bad, but it is a reality. The human heart drifts. It tends to migrate from thing to thing, and at times it even changes affections, purposes, desires, hopes, directions. It's going to drift, and that's okay, as long as you understand that that's part of who we are, and you plan for it, and calculate, as the owner of a human heart, how do I deal with drift? It's only a danger when you get off course, when that drift causes your heart to buy into, hold on to, anchor to things that will not strengthen and beautify the soul. So, in this series, we're going to talk about the inevitability of drift and what do you do about it. Because in the end, why do we talk about it? Because there is a simplicity, there is a core. There is a core to what we call the gospel, which I'll define in a few minutes. There's a core to that which promises us a simple, rich, and profound relationship with God and a powerful alteration of our soul. And yet, we have a tendency to wander from that. And so we have to find ways to cling to those core beliefs. Now, if you were here last week, previously at Warehouse, what you saw was me say to you, keep your beliefs open-handed. Don't clamp too tightly down upon them. And now what you're thinking is, okay, which is it? Can you not make up your mind? Did you forget what you said? So we're supposed to hold tightly to our beliefs and yet keep them wide open and be open to new ideas. The reason why they work together is this. You see, if drift was from outside, that'd be one thing. But drift is an internal issue. It's in the heart. And so when we close off, wall off our beliefs, we attach to certain things and we keep them well protected inside without any ideas or input from God or others on the outside, what happens is we keep drift unabated. We will migrate toward new beliefs, new ways of looking at things. We open our hands up and our beliefs up, and then we see those things we're holding on to that are not at the core of our faith, but are actually adrift from it. So that's what we're going to do. We're gonna, I'm going to launch into our, our book today, which is the, uh, the book of Galatians or the letter of Galatians, explain to you a little bit about it and, and where we're going, and then we're going to go right into it. The letter to the Galatians was written by a guy named Paul. And Paul was somebody who, in the earliest days of Christianity, he went around starting churches. He had had this transformational experience, and he went around starting churches in, in new places where they had never heard this, this, this story, the story of the, the coming of a savior to earth who died and, and rose again. They hadn't heard that. And he went around and he, and he, and he gave this message to different places. And, and groups, churches would gather together in those places. And one of the things he did in order to encourage and teach and instruct them is he would send letters to them. And this is one of the letters 
he sends to a place in, in Asia Minor called Galatia. And essentially, this is what's happening. He's like this. Okay, 15 minutes ago, I presented to you a message. Really, 15 minutes ago, and you're already going somewhere else. Seriously, how did this happen this fast? This is what he writes in the beginning of Galatians. I'm astonished. Stunned, really. I'm astonished you're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. I am stunned. I think Paul had a fair grasp of the human heart, and yet he, even he is surprised at how fast. He's like, look, I just, I just presented this message to you. You bought in wholeheartedly. It was like yesterday, and now you've deserted it. And you've gone to a completely different gospel, which isn't really a gospel at all. Now, the gospel is this. The gospel is the story that there is a God in the universe who loves you, from whom, for whom we were created to have a relationship with, and we wandered off from him. And the gospel is the story of God coming to rescue us, to send his son to pay for our sins, to offer us a relationship back with him, free of charge. That's the gospel. And Paul says, I can't believe it. Presented that to you, you know, yesterday, and already you've gone a different direction. Now, to be fair, the people in Galatia, this is what they were thinking. What are you talking about? We didn't, we didn't desert anything. I mean, we're, we're still completely in. We're, we're followers of Jesus, Paul. We believe the whole gospel thing. All we're saying is just this one little thing we want to add. Just, it's just one thing. There's just one little thing we want to add. And what they wanted to add, this is the whole, this is the whole controversy, is this. The only thing they wanted to add, circumcision. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe if I was Paul, I would have said, look, you want to go, go ahead and do it? Go for it, you know. Your, your path, your choice. They were saying this, look, we're into the gospel. We, we buy this whole, Jesus died for, yeah, great, we're in. But, we, but let's have everybody get, well, the men anyway. Let's have them all get circumcised. Because that would just be right, and, and that would be proper. And, then, you know, it's, it's a good thing to do. And Paul reacts to that by saying, it is not a good thing to do. Well, it might be a good thing, but it's the wrong thing to require people to do. <clears throat> and his point is essentially this. When you add something to the gospel, you destroy it. Why? The gospel, in a way that is literally true, is unique. It is a singularity. It is a soul form of something. And the story of the gospel essentially is this. You go into relationship with God with your hands empty. You offer nothing. It is the story that says, God, I I will receive you, I will accept you, I will love you just as you are, and what you bring to me is nothing. Just yourself, just come on. That's how relationship starts. See, what we have a tendency to do is, like the people in Galatia, we, get, we buy into that. Jesus died for me. If you're, if you're a follower, you say, I'm in. I think that's a good idea. But then what happens is, the human heart is prone to wander. And so we begin to attach to other things. And they're good things. They're not bad things. We begin to attach to them. And then suddenly, those things that we migrate toward, they become the new default center that defines us, that determines how we live our life, our emotions, our relationships, and they seem so innocuous. I, I buy into the gospel, but I also, it's really important. This is not a big deal. It's really important, though, that 
I get defined by the fact that between 10.30 and noon, not later, 10.30 and noon, I sing some songs in a singable key, and that, you really have to do that, because if you don't do that, then, or, yeah, I, I believe the gospel, but then there's a certain, there's some beliefs, really, you've got to buy into, you know, it's, there's just a few other things, and if you buy into them, that, that'll, that'll be better. And those views could be about, I don't know, anything. They could be fine beliefs about sexual sin or about, about giving or about relationships or about time or about commitments or about priorities. And we say, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying they replace the gospel, but you sort of have to do these things. You know, bear with me. And every age and every church has, has different things that you sort of have to buy into. In, in, in the, you know, the, the time of the Reformation, you know, five, six hundred... 1500, 1,600 years uh, A.D., at that point, you really couldn't, you really had to believe a certain thing exactly about who Jesus was and the whole divine human thing. And if you didn't, you could be toast, literally. I mean, it's like that, that view is, uh, you really have to believe that, and so we're going to have to do away with you. In, in other ages, you know, in, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, there was a view of, of abortion. You kind of had to hold if you were to be seen as being okay in Christianity. And again, a lot of the different beliefs and things we hold, they're fine. They're, they're good things. But what happened is they became the default center. They became the litmus test that we're okay. And then what happened was we defined ourselves not by the gospel, but by these beliefs and these practices. But you say again, well, so what? I mean, what's the big deal? Paul will tell us in the next section what the big deal is by telling us his story. He says this. You've heard of my previous way of life in Judaism. Now, just as a shorthand for Judaism, insert any religion that bases itself on how well you do. Anyone, really. Just just pick any, any, any form, any version. Any view of relationship with God that depends on how well you do, how you perform. So, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I mean, I was all in. If there was any infidels at the gates, I'm willing to take them out. I was advancing in performance-based religion beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. I, I followed all the stuff. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was re- pleased to reveal his son in me, so I, might not, so I might preach him in the, among the Gentiles. I did not consult anyone. And then later on, he, he says this. People, when they heard this, they heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted this is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praise God because of me. This is what Paul says. You want performance-based religion? You want your relationship with God to be based on how well you do? Trust me, I get that. I was better at it than you were. You want to add circumcision? That's great. I added all sorts of things, and I did them with zeal and with passion. You want to see a resume for performance-based religion? I had it. But I'm done with that. That's what I left. Because on the road, Jesus came to me, and he said this, Paul, why you persecuted me? You want to come in? And he fell to his knees and said, I'm in. Okay, what was his resume at that point? Let's think. What what is he offering God? Jesus comes to him and says, Paul, you're persecuting me. How about stopping it and coming into a relationship with me? His resume is, well, I was trying to kill people 
who wanted to believe in you. I was trying to destroy the faith of people who follow Jesus. I was trying to confront and destroy the grace that allows any human being on the face of the earth to find themselves loved and accepted by God. That's what I got. How's that? With that resume before God, Paul finds himself loved and accepted. And he says, I, I'm not going back. I am not going back to a view of my life, of my identity, of whether or not I'm loved, of whether or not I'm okay. I am not going back to one that places all of that anywhere outside of the gospel, which is the simple story of a God who loved me and died for me, period. I'm not going back to performance-based religion because that will destroy me. And he says, if you want performance, I had it all. I did more than any of you did to try to earn my way to God. And what I got out of it was anger and disconnection. And so, you want to just add this one thing, circumcision. If you do that, you destroy the gospel. Because the gospel is not the story of, I come to Jesus holding nothing in my hand, except circumcision, metaphorically, holding nothing in my hand but that. I come to Jesus holding nothing in my hand except my belief in him and how much I read the Bible, and how much I pray, and how much I go to church, and how much I give, and my views of sexual sin, and my views of culture, and my views of you, and my views of me, and my views of God. That's all I bring. And if I can just keep the right views, then maybe I can stay okay with God. The gospel does not accept alteration because it is singular. The nature of it, the core of it, the essence of it is grace. Grace that powerfully transforms our life. But the essence of it is grace. I say it again. We come to God and we bring nothing. Nothing, nothing. He forgives us and then comes to reside within us and he, through that core of grace changes our lives. The moment we drift off into a new thing that we identify ourselves with, a new belief that becomes non-negotiable, is the moment where no longer am I thinking I'm bringing nothing. I'm bringing something. And now my acceptability for God, my identity, my worth, my value, my peace is defined on how well I do that. See, as soon as we add something else, that becomes the new center of our faith. And it happens in ways we don't expect. See, just like the Galatians. Galatians like, Paul, what are you talking about? We're just thinking circumcision is a good idea. In the same way we go, what are, you, what are you talking about? I'm just saying this is a good idea. There's lots of good ideas out there. I understand there's lots of good things to be involved in. There's lots of good things to believe And yet, what we have to be very careful is we don't drift from the core of the gospel, which is none of those things. 
bring us into a relationship with God. None of those things define us as who we are, and none of those makes us acceptable before God. You may have absolutely inaccurate, false, horrible beliefs, and you may have impeccable beliefs, significantly above mine, and neither one of those defines you before God. See, it gets absolutely reversed. We come to God with nothing. He comes within us, not based on what we've done, but in spite of how we've lived. And then, resting on that, we change. By grace, not by performance. The moment we embrace something else as the new core, now we're dependent on that to make us acceptable, happy, approved. And then we start requiring it of everybody else because they're not really all right if they don't believe, act, think this certain way. The gospel is not open to alteration. This is the gospel. The gospel is the story of God's love for you. It's a story of a God who sees you just as you are, recognizes your brokenness and your beauty, and has come to rescue you. When you receive that, you have a relationship with him, and he changes you. That's it. That is our faith. Anything else is not the gospel. It's so simple. So why do we drift? Seriously, it seems so easy. Why would we drift? If I can have a relationship with God that doesn't depend on how well I perform, performance is hard. If I can have that, why do we drift? There's a couple reasons. There's probably a lot. But one of them is we don't really believe it. We don't really believe we're okay as we are. We don't really believe God can love us just like we are because he knows all the stuff. And there's something about us that keeps gravitating toward, okay, that's really good, but I'm clearly I've got to clean that up because how could God love that? There's something about us that doesn't trust that God really has given us grace. And so we assume that we're going to have to do more in order to make ourselves right before God. And it's really kind of funny. What we'll say is that, okay, God, the whole grace thing, great idea. Love it. However, there's just a few rules we need to add. You know, because clearly, grace is great, but you've got to add some things to act the right way. Otherwise, who knows what people will do? And so there's just, just a couple, just a couple little changes, additions, you know, non-negotiables, two, three hundred that we need to get out there. And, and essentially we challenge God's plan. God says, no, no, I'll give you grace and I will change. And we're saying, no, no, we, God, trust us. We can make ourselves more righteous than you. You just forgot some of the rules. We're happy to put them in place. We drift because we think still there's something wrong with us and God. We drift because we believe there's something wrong about who we are and that we've got to fix it. That's the gospel drift. How do you know when you're drifting? 
Now, that's really challenging because th- there's, there are probably none of you who have fixed your identity around something really stupid. I mean, maybe you have, but I'm you know, giving you the benefit of the doubt. There's probably none of you who have fixed your identity, your hope, the anchor for your life, what you feel good about yourself, about something really stupid. Most of us fix our identity, our hope, our approval around something that's good. It's good. I have the right beliefs. There's nothing wrong with having the right beliefs. I try to avoid certain behaviors. There's nothing wrong with that. Those are good things. So how do you recognize when the good things have become the best things? When the good things have usurped the gospel? Well, it's kind of subtle, but one is you open your hands. Right now, I'm willing to bet, were I a betting man, I'm willing to bet that you and I are holding beliefs that need to go away. The question is not, have you added to the gospel? The question is, where have you added it? As we open our hands and we ask God, God, what is in my life? What am I attaching myself too much to? What gives me too much happiness? What allows my days to swing up and down by how well it goes? What changes how I view myself? What are those things that when push comes to shove, I either feel I'm good, bad, indifferent, worthy or unworthy based upon how they go? You open your hands to the beliefs that you're holding. You watch what happens in your life. You listen to the counsel of your friends and you watch some of those start to strip away. See, the human heart will drift. You just have to know that up front. The human heart will drift. Open your hands and ask God to strip so that you remain clear and cleanly focused on the core of the gospel, which empowers you to live a new way. The gospel has a unique power to change lives. As soon as we alter it, it loses its power. So, today, if you're somebody who has wondered about what the gospel is and what Christianity is, that's it. God loves you. He sees you. He died for you. He offers you a relationship with him. What you bring to him, what you must hand him is nothing. That's what he offers you today. Perhaps you sit out there and you're really tired because it's difficult performing. It's difficult trying to find approval and identity outside of yourself somewhere else. Perhaps you're tired of performing today. I offer you what Jesus does, the simplicity of the gospel, a God who loves you and calls you to himself free of charge right now. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, my simple question to you today is, and ask this, we're going to take communion in just a few minutes, ask yourself this, or ask God this. Say to God, God, what have I added? What's in my life now that I'm now defining myself by, that is outside of the gospel. Ask him to reveal that to you and then to give you freedom. Deliverance from that and the peace that comes from a true, pure, unadulterated faith in the gospel for you. Let's pray. Lord, would you teach us the simple but rather difficult process of stripping back beliefs and actions that end up defining us. 
One of your followers has said that the heart is an idol maker. We continually produce things that we follow and find ourselves in. Give us the courage as a community to open our hands before you so that what falls out are ways of looking at life that are not yours. And so the gospel becomes denser, truer, and more deeply a part of our life and gives us that simple, powerful relationship with you that we are made for. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, 